Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope everyone has recovered from the long weekend. We just came out of the July 4th weekend. If you're here in the US, um, it was quite a weekend this year. There was a lot going on. I even heard fireworks last night, which last night was the 5th. And I woke up like randomly at midnight because there was like a ton of fireworks being shot off. And I'm like, wait a second, guys, it's the 5th. Like, are we still celebrating? But anyway, had a very fun weekend myself, got to see a bunch of friends. It was great, um, you know, just seeing people, being out in the city, seeing the city so alive again. It's just so great to see how New York is back on the upswing. And so, yeah, I hope you guys had a fun weekend. If you celebrated and if you are feeling hungover, I have an episode for you guys. Not this one, but The Truth About Alcohol. You guys know we did that a few episodes ago and we talked about um, hangovers and hangover cures. So if you're still feeling a little hungover, even just like morally hungover, (laughs) check out that episode. Um, It's a good one. But anyway, in the meantime, if you guys need a little pick me up, I have quite the story for you guys today. I actually found this story pretty randomly. It just so happens that yesterday, as I was researching this episode, Yesterday was the 75th anniversary of this invention that I'm going to talk about today, the conception of this thing that has become so normal in our society, in our culture, especially here in the U.S. and a lot of places in Europe. So I thought I would just talk about this story because it goes a lot deeper than 
any of us could even imagine. So 75 years ago yesterday, as I'm recording this, history was made. 75 years before girls filmed TikTok dances in their itsy bitsy teeny weeny little bikinis only to have them taken down for being inappropriate, which is a whole nother story. History was made. On July 5th, 1946, French designer Louis Rayard unveiled a groundbreaking two-piece swimsuit at the Piscine Molitor, a popular swimming pool over in Paris. Two-piece suits weren't revolutionary as it definitely had been done before, but this one was different. It exposed, wait for it, the belly button or navel if you'd rather And this, my friends, was revolutionary. It was scandalous. It was crazy. It was especially groundbreaking because on this day in 1946, it was the first time someone had ever used the word bikini to describe this particular cut of swimwear. The design was obviously first created by the Romans back in 1400 BC, depicted in ancient artwork and worn by gymnasts of the time, which is super interesting. But the true origin of the invention called a bikini aka two pieces of small fabric, super scandalous for the time, and intended for swimming or sunbathing, came to be just 75 years ago in France. And you truly will not believe me in the next part of this episode when I'm talking about the origin of the name, the word bikini. Where did it come from? It wasn't a French word. Inherently, it wasn't. But you will not believe where it came from. Okay, let's get into it. Louis, the bikini's inventor, let's talk about him for a second. He was actually an automotive and mechanical engineer, but he moonlighted as his mother's assistant over at her lingerie business in Paris. He noticed women on Saint-Tropez beaches rolling up the edges of their swimsuits to get a better tan. And from seeing them do this, he was inspired to create a more minimal swimsuit that would satisfy their needs. Because obviously, the belly button deserves to be tanned as well. Like, no one likes that awkward, high-waisted tan line. I mean, I love high-waisted suits, don't get me wrong. I have quite a few of them, but there's just something to be said about tanning your belly button, you know? But bikini, let's get back to that. The word, bikini. This is what Louis decided to call his swimwear invention. Like I said, it wasn't inherently French, but it wasn't a made-up word either. The reason why we call the two pieces of fabric we wear to swim or take thirst traps in, not even swim, I saw this stat once that like I think 80% of suits don't even make it into the water. Like when you put on a bikini, also obviously like a lot of statistics are made up, but a lot of people just wear swimsuits to, you know, take pictures or just to lay out. Like some people don't even wear them to the beach, which is totally fine. Like I was definitely one of those girls that would, I would actually go on my neighbor's trampoline, like in her backyard and we would tan on the trampoline because something about like the black trampoline really attracted the sun. Now I'm like staying out of the sun at all costs, but you know, back then. Anyway, so the reason why we call these pieces of fabric bikini will surprise you. The inspiration actually came from a nuclear bomb test site. Yes, you heard me right. Nuclear bombs were the inspiration for the word bikini. So Louis Rayard, our friend Louis, the designer of the first bikini, he was inspired by a U.S. atomic test. While he was brainstorming names for his new creation, he was also tuning into the news And for context, it was the summer of 1946, so a little over a year after the end of World War II, which ended in 1945. However, as we might remember from history class, a lot was still going on 
in the military world, despite the fact that the fighting was technically over. You know, the United States and its allies were engaged in a Cold War nuclear arms race with the Soviet Union, which I remember hearing all about in high school and not being interested in because it was a Cold War. So it wasn't, you know, but still a lot was going on. They were testing all these nuclear bombs and, you know, they were trying to build more advanced bombs from the end of World War II until 1991. So as Louis sat in his mother's lingerie shop, cutting up fabrics, you know, making underwear, but also dreaming up the perfect new swimwear solution for women, the U.S. and allied military powers were busy testing bombs. Operation Crossroads was a pair of nuclear weapon tests conducted by the United States. And I promise this story is going somewhere. You guys are probably like, okay, Katie, you're putting me to sleep. What about like the bikini fiasco? Why do we care about nuclear weapons? But so this particular mission, so to speak, I guess, this test was conducted at an island called Bikini Atoll. Okay, Bikini. There you go. In July of 1946. The islands at the test site were evacuated, so no people were harmed, thankfully. I read that they actually willingly evacuated the island, but I suppose they really had no other choice, which was a bit sad. I read they were relocated, and Bikini actually remains uninhabited as of 2017, though it's occasionally visited by sport divers. But the overall goal of the test, or the pair of tests, was to investigate the effect of nuclear weapons on warships. Bikini Atoll is actually a part of the Marshall Islands, which is a cluster of small islands that sit right on top of ancient submerged volcanoes rising from the ocean floor. Super interesting. About halfway between Hawaii and Australia for geography. So on July 1st, 1946, the first bomb was detonated, which like released, I guess. And the bomb was actually named Gilda after Rita Hayworth's character in the 1946 film Gilda, which is interesting. So this first drop caused less than the expected amount of ship damage. So it was kind of anticlimactic, I guess, because it missed its aim by about 2,100 feet. And then the second bomb, which happened about a month later on July 25th, it was called Helen of Bikini, and it was detonated 90 feet, so 27 meters underwater, And from this, it's actually crazy. So radioactive sea spray caused extensive contamination in the area. So in the 50s, actually, a series of tests rendered bikini unfit for life, farming, fishing because of the radioactive contamination. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. A chemist named Glenn T. Seaborg. Seaborg, which is so funny. That's his last name. It's very fitting. So he called this second bomb, quote, the world's first nuclear disaster. So it's very sad, actually. Like, this is the truth. Like, it literally rendered this island uninhabitable. So all the people that were evacuated just were never able to return. So like I said, it's been completely, you know, as of 2017, no one lives there. It cannot sustain life. And sometimes divers go to check out the area, but I wouldn't even, I mean, obviously I'm not a diver. So, I mean, I don't even have a choice here, but I probably would steer clear of the area because who knows what kind of funky creatures are there, you know, radioactive material is just, it's so wild what it does. And it's very sad how it really wrecks an area. So anyway, so these were the two bombs that were detonated over um, Bikini Atoll. So despite the fact that both bombs were a bit anticlimactic, like I said, you know, despite giving research teams ample ideas of how to not release a bomb on a warship, I suppose, which I mean, that's kind of how you learn is like how to fail. And then like you find success in all the other ways to do it. So I guess ultimately it was probably helpful, but the bombs caused quite a worldwide stir. Obviously a bomb of any sort, especially at this time caused a big stir, especially after world war II. So our friend Louis, the engineer slash lingerie designer over in France was inspired by the name of this Island. He probably assumed that his bikini, you know, showing off the belly button would cause the same sort of stir, like the excitement, you know, that just kind of explosion of chatter, you know, the same sort of reaction would come from the bikini being released. And Louis guessed right. It most certainly did. It was 1946 after all, and there was a lot of style evolution happening during this time, especially over in Europe, because Western Europeans were enjoying their first summer without war in years, like war on their turf. And it caused a total style explosion in a lot of different areas, swimwear included. You know, designers were giddily coming up with new styles that complemented the mood of the people. Everyone was just kind of similar. Okay, obviously different, but similar to how a lot of us now are feeling so free and excited because the pandemic is winding down things, you know, where the the restrictions are lifted. So now we can kind of experiment. Like you guys have definitely seen how style has changed just in the past year. Like so many trends are a thing now that I would just never see as being a thing last year, you know? So 
kind of similar to that. There was certainly a style explosion after the war ended and people were feeling liberated, but there was also quite a few miniature style explosions while World War II was still being fought. So over here in the United States, we were experimenting with our swim styles as well, not really for the sake of fashion, but to literally conserve materials needed for the war effort. So the two-piece was introduced during World War II time because we quite literally needed to conserve fabrics. And something else I can think of off the top of my head, I remember reading about this in high school. So obviously nylon stockings, this is another example. Nylon was important for war materials as well. So there was a nylon shortage slash ration introduced. And so women who, you know, felt very drawn to nylon stockings, like really it was like their staple piece. And they, a lot of them had these lines on the back that just like ran down the leg. I don't know if it was like slimming or the reason for that. I think obviously in terms of construction, it was probably important, but it was like a known thing. Like if you had nice stockings, they would have a line down the back. And so when there was the shortage and women couldn't purchase their nylon stockings anymore, they would literally have a friend of theirs draw a black line down the back of their leg. I'm not sure what they used, obviously not like a Sharpie pen, um, but I'm just, yeah, it's so interesting what women did just in the, in the sake of, you know, in the name of fashion, despite the fact that the war was going on. So the two piece was introduced literally because, you know, out of necessity, but Louis took things even further with his bikini invention over in France in 1946. His swimsuit design shocked the press and public because like I said, it was the first to reveal the person's belly button. <laughs> like, talk about the equivalent of an atomic bomb. Like, my belly button is shocking, I guess. Like, there's no, it's no secret that we have belly buttons. Like, women have belly buttons. But like, why, why was it so risque? I'm not sure. I guess because it's like, I don't know. It just had never been done before. Interestingly enough, though, while Louis was working on his design, another designer in France was working on the same invention at the same time as Louis. And his design was actually produced just a couple of months before Louise. This other designer's name was Jacques Heim, and he owned a beach shop in the French Riviera resort town of Cannes. And he introduced a minimalist two-piece swimsuit design in May of 1946. Jacques called his suit the Atom, after the smallest known particle of matter, which is also probably partially related to the atomic bomb, I'm not sure, but all the sources I found said it was because it was the smallest particle of matter, which honestly makes sense because, you know, the bikini was the smallest form of bathing suit. So it kind of, it makes sense. So the bottom of his design was just large enough to cover the wearer's navel. So Louise's design was just a bit more risque, like the belly button was out, ladies and gentlemen. So you know, Jacques was a little bit more tame with his design. So I didn't find any evidence to support that the two guys knew about each other in the beginning. They obviously found out about each other once they started, you know, doing ad campaigns and things like that. But in the initial phases of things, it seems that they were both just inspired by the same concept. But Louise was called Bikini while Jacques was called Atome. Okay. So that's kind of the important takeaway from that. So Louis understandably found it challenging to find a model to wear his design at his press conference. It was that risque for the time at only 30 inches of fabric in total. But if you look up photos, you guys definitely need to look up photos of the first bikini. It's probably the kind of suit that you would bring 
on a family vacation. Okay. If you're wearing a bikini on a family vacation, this is like the one you're going to bring. So things have gotten obviously even crazier over time. Like some of the Frankie's bikinis I've been seeing on social media, like literally are thongs. So this one was definitely crazy for the time, but it's insane how things have evolved. So Louis ended up hiring a 19-year-old nude dancer named Micheline Bernardini from the Casino de Paris to model the suit. So Micheline wore Louis' first design, which was printed to look like a newspaper at Piscine Molitor, like I said, a public pool in Paris. And it was printed to look like a newspaper because Louis was sure He was a very confident dude. He was sure that his invention would make headlines. He was that confident in his design. So Louis and Jacques, like I said, they eventually found out about each other's competing designs and let the pettiness begin. To promote his design, which was so much better than Louise, Jacques hired skywriters to fly above the Mediterranean resort, advertising the Atom as, quote, the world's smallest bathing suit. But Louis did not take things sitting down. He decided to fight back. So he hired his own skywriters three weeks later to fly over the French Riviera. So like on his home, the other guy's home turf, advertising his design as, quote, smaller than the smallest bathing suit in the world. So Jacques said the smallest, the world's smallest bathing suit. And Louise said smaller than the smallest bathing suit in the world. So super petty. And guys, I'm actually surprised I never learned this story while I was in school, like in college studying communications. I took a bunch of like marketing classes, advertising classes, things like that. And honestly, I wish my professors had taught me this story because it kind of just goes to show that, you know, even if you did it first, right? Like Jacques came up with this design like months before Louis did. Obviously his wasn't as risque, but still like he came up with the the you know similar concept of really exposing a lot of skin and you know using two minimal pieces of fabric he did it first and yet sometimes later designs of like the same concept will just do better simply because they have a better name or better marketing or a better construction something a little bit crazier just like taking things up a notch ever so slightly you know you could be the most vigilant dedicated creator another example, and make a thousand cool videos on the internet. And then someone will come along and make one really cool video with like the same concept as your a thousand videos and become a viral hit overnight and skyrocket to fame. Like it's just so interesting. Timing is like everything and also nothing. It's really interesting. It's just the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. So while Jacques' design was actually the first to be worn on the beach, The name given by Louis, Bikini, stuck with the public. Bikini was just a better name than a tome. Like, imagine calling your swimsuit a tome. Like, I don't know. It sounds too much like Adam to me. And like, Adam reminds me of my friend Adam. Like, I don't know. I think bikini, just, it really stuck. Like, imagine (laughs) bikini bottom in SpongeBob being called a tome bottom. Like, I don't, I don't know. Just didn't stick, obviously. So Louis ultimately won in terms of the name sticking. He got quite a lot of negative buzz, understandably, like worldwide. People angry with him 
for creating something so scandalous. Like, why even create this thing? Like, you know, no one should be showing that much skin at the beach. It's like there's kids around, right? Like my husband, my cheating husband's around. Like people got mad at him, but he also got quite a lot of positive buzz as well. It's reported that he received more than 50,000 fan letters from people who loved his suits Obviously, most of them were from men, which is not surprising. Cringe, but not surprising. He actually also launched a really bold ad campaign for the time that told the public a two-piece swimsuit was not a genuine bikini, quote, unless it could be pulled through a wedding ring. So crazy. I can't even take it. Like, I wish I was a fly on the wall in the rooms of women that read this ad and were like shocked by it, showed their husband like, oh my gosh, a wedding ring. Like he was a marketing advertising genius, but it wasn't an overnight success as many things are not. Even after Louis shocked the world with his itsy bitsy teeny weeny little bikini initial release in 1946, bikini sales did not pick up around the world As women stuck to their traditional suits, they were obviously, I mean, I can put myself in their shoes, afraid to rock the boat, to appear too sexual, too scandalous. What would the neighbors say? How would, you know, a girl get married wearing a suit like that? Like who would want a girl wearing, like, obviously it's, it's promiscuous. It's, it's fun to wear cool new styles. Like aside from the obvious, like sexual element of it, it's also just like fun to wear a bikini. I don't know. I like wearing bikinis. It was actually banned in a lot of countries, discouraged in quite a few others. And the Pope even declared the bikini to be, quote, sinful. That's not really that surprising. But let's not forget that, you know, just 50 or so years earlier, female swimmers went to the craziest of lengths to hide their bodies at the beach. So listen to this madness. There was actually a Victorian era contraption called the bathing machine, which was a small wooden or canvas hut on wheels. So the woman would enter the machine fully dressed in like a gown and donned her swimming clothes inside. So she changed inside or like removed the top piece and then horses or sometimes literal people pulled the cart into the water. So pulled the little like wooden canvas hut on wheels into the water so the woman could submerge in the water unseen by anyone. So she would be in her own individual hut in the water in peace because no one could see her. So this was actually, this was a thing like 50 or 60 years before the bikinis release. So times were definitely in favor of covering yourself at the beach for the sake of kids, men, other people, but also just women didn't feel totally comfortable showing their entire body at the beach, which understandable. I mean, I even find it challenging to this day, sometimes showing my entire, you know, or not my entire body. I'm not going naked, but it just, it's definitely changed, but not so much. Right. So actually 11 years after the bikinis release. So in 1957, a German women's magazine wrote, quote, It is unthinkable that a decent girl with tact would ever wear such a thing. Eight years later, a student in Germany was actually punished to six days of cleaning work at an old folks home because she had strolled across a Munich square wearing only a bikini. So that was like the crazy thing for the time. Now I live in obviously in New York City where people wear like all sorts of things around here. Like you'll see like people basically naked on a normal day and it's like fine because it's New York. 
But anyway, so for a time, Louis actually went back to designing conventional underwear to sell in his mother's shop because bikini sales just weren't cutting it yet. Obviously, it was scandalous. It was interesting. It was making headlines, but he wasn't exactly selling mountains of them, right? Like they weren't flying off the shelves. They were shocking, but not exactly selling. But after a bit, people eased up. Slowly but surely, people started to accept that a bikini wasn't the equivalent of social suicide. After all, it was just a few extra inches of skin than what was previously accepted. Two-piece suits weren't new, so why was the belly button? (laughs) The belly button, so promiscuous. Shortly after the bikini was banned in Spain, they soon dissolved the ban with the goal of drawing in tourists. It worked, of course. In the 50s, Bridget Bardot actually helped the bikinis cause. She was photographed wearing bikinis on beaches during the Cannes Film Festival, and this helped popularize the bikini in Europe in the 50s and created a market over in the U.S. Photographs of Bridget in the bikini, according to The Guardian, turned Saint-Tropez into the bikini capital of the world. But this was over in Europe. Obviously, in the U.S., things took a bit longer to take hold. Unsurprisingly, it was actually banned in many U.S. states through the 60s. In July of 1959, the New York Post searched for bikinis around New York City and found only a couple, apparently, which is really interesting. And that's in 1959. In 1965, you could get a citation for wearing a bikini in New Hampshire which 1965 doesn't feel like that long ago. So it's so crazy. The National Legion of Decency, which I can't believe is slash was a real thing, pressured Hollywood to keep bikinis from being featured in films. As we know from the episode I did on the Hayes Code, which, you know, policed a lot of movies on decency and like what could be shown, what couldn't be shown. Navels were prohibited in movies. So belly buttons were literally prohibited. I've never said navel slash belly button more in my entire life than in this episode of the podcast, I swear. But yeah, they were prohibited. So get this, for much of the 50s, when the navel was shown it, you know, in photos, whatever, it was airbrushed out. And one magazine that did this in particular was 17. So back in France, Louis' company sadly went under in 1988, just four years after his death. But his legacy lives on. That year, the bikini made up nearly 20% of swimsuit sales, so more than any other model, apparently. Now I understand why the girl in the itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot bikini song, like, I don't know if you guys have heard that. I'm sure you have. She was so shy in that song, like, she didn't want to come out of her locker, right? And now it all makes sense. It was literally the 60s when that song came out, and the bikinis were fresh inventions, especially in the U.S., that much of the population was still super judgy and wary about. If you don't know the full song, I want to read some of the lines. This came out in the 60s, like I said, and it says, she was afraid to come out of the locker. She was, she was as nervous as she could be. She was afraid to come out of the locker. She was afraid that somebody would see Two, three, four, tell the people what she wore. It was an itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini that she wore for the first time today. An itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini. So in the locker, she wanted to stay. Stick around and we'll tell you more. She was afraid to come out in the open. And so a blanket around her she wore. She was afraid to come out in the open. And so she sat bundled up on the shore. Two, three, four, tell the people what she wore. It was an itsy bitsy, teeny weeny, yellow polka dot bikini that she wore for the first time today. 
an itsy bitsy teeny weeny. Okay, one more time. Yellow polka dot bikini. So in the blanket, she wanted to stay. Who knew bathing suits showing the freaking belly button could stir up this much buzz? And honestly, this whole thing reminded me of that red bathing suit like that took social media by storm. Do you guys remember that? Like it was back when I was in college and it was like, I think it was done by this company called like Sunny Co. Sun, Sunny, I think some was involved somehow. And you just reposted the photo on your story. This was back in like what, 2017, 2016 maybe. And you just repost the photo and every person that reposted it got a free bathing suit, like a free red suit. But the company did not know it was going to go like this viral. And they like made headlines for that. They probably went into a lot of debt at first too, because they had to give everyone a free one. I don't think everyone got the free one. Um, but it was like a whole social media explosion, you know, trends on social media, trends in bathing suits, all that stuff. So interesting to me. Like I'm trying to figure out the equivalent, like what the equivalent of the bikini would be today. Like what is a scandalous invention that is slowly taking hold and like mostly it's just scandalous and like maybe people won't actually buy it yet, but they're like posting about it or like talking about it. There's like buzz surrounding it. And the only thing I can think of like at the front of my brain, like the first thing that comes to mind is that pair of leggings that Rihanna made for Fenty. That's like the butt crack leggings, you know what I'm talking about? It's like low rise in the back and it like shows off like your butt And I actually found an article, like a quote, um, they like reported on the leggings. I first saw it on TikTok, but then, you know, I saw an article on it and it said, quote, the flashy pants are also said to be crotchless and come in every size from extra small to 3X. The description for the pants states that the leggings are made of a sheer soft mesh fabric and feature, quote, an open strappy back for a playful surprise. (laughs) A playful surprise, I die. But anyway, I just wanted to share this story from history. It literally happened 75 years ago this week, which is so wild to me because 75 years doesn't feel like that long. Like I think my grandma is close to 85 now, I think. And so 75 years ago, the bikini was born, like by that name, bikini. Bikini, the word did not exist before 75 years ago, which is just so interesting. And, you know, I was thinking about it, looking back at old photos of myself, like wearing my first bikinis. And it's so funny because even over the span of my lifetime, like 25 years, that is how old I am, almost 26 now, but 25 years, like so much has changed in terms of trends. Like now it's really big to hike up your bikini bottoms at the side and like, you know, have them be high like the the sides of them being high. Whereas I remember back in the day, like I would always have mine like low rise sort of like down low on my hips. But now it's like all about showing off like the curves of your hips. And like, obviously, like I said, like they're getting smaller and smaller. You're like hiking them up your butt, like up in there. And like you're seeing it on TikTok and girls, like the fabric is just getting smaller and smaller. And yet there's still like restrictions. Like back in the day, people said they were sinful and they were this and that. And you know, but now it's like TikTok apps like that are banning some bikini videos for like being too inappropriate or you look too naked. So like, where do we draw the line? It's so interesting how things have evolved and yet they still really haven't evolved. Um, but I thought it was just an interesting chat now that we're obviously we're in the throes of summer. We're wearing bikinis often. I'm actually not wearing them as much as I'd like to. I like really haven't gone to the beach this summer. I've been very into just staying in the city, but 
it's just so interesting. I would never have guessed before reading about this yesterday that the bikini came, like the inspiration for the word bikini came from bombs, like bombs and bikinis. Who knew they were linked? So interesting. I just wanted to do an episode on it, especially because it is summer. But I have to say one thing I wish I knew more about was why Louis' business went under. I couldn't really find anything about why his business tanked, like even though he was the original creator. I wonder if like trademarks even existed back then. Like imagine if he had trademarked bikini. I don't know what would have happened. I guess people come up with their own like words to describe it even still. But yeah. And I wonder what happened to Jacques. Poor guy. (laughs) Jacques must have been so pissed. (laughs) Like I wonder if Jacques continued to call his suits the atom the whole time. Like you know, didn't want to conform to the bikini word. I wonder what what became of Jacques and his business. Who knows, guys? Who knows? He's somewhere floating around in the depths of history. But yeah, it's just interesting to think about. I, gosh, I've said interesting so many times. I need to come up with a synonym for that word. I notice when I listen to these back that I'm just like, it's so interesting. Yes, it is, but it's probably also other things as well. But it's so mind-boggling how things have evolved and things will continue to evolve. Like, will we eventually be naked on the beach or will we regress to wearing – like, I honestly wear a lot of one-pieces these days. Not because – they're just comfortable to – like, if you're going to be in, like, rough surf, like when I lived out in L.A., I found that one-pieces were just more comfortable. Like, if you're surfing, things like that, like, people wear rash guards, like, cool, like, Roxy rash guards and things like that. They're becoming stylish. Or, like, long-sleeve suits are becoming stylish. Like, what will the next 75 years bring? Will we be wearing, like, hazmat suits to the beach? Maybe. If all the radioactive material and the fires in the ocean continue. Gosh, it's so crazy to read about that stuff. But, yeah, that is uh, the humble beginnings of the bikini, everyone, and Rihanna's crazy leggings and where fashion is going. But hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I do have to say, if you're interested in reading slash hearing more about the nuclear bomb element of this episode, I actually found this really awesome video by Johnny Harris over on YouTube. I actually found this after I'd done the research um, for this, and I just didn't feel like, you know, kind of talking a lot about nuclear bombs in this. I don't really think it's like a huge, obviously it's a huge part of the name, but not a huge part of the story. So if you want to hear more about that, Johnny Harris does an awesome job detailing this over in his YouTube video. Um, So check out that video if you're interested in the history of that and why the U.S. chose the Marshall Islands, things like that. There's a lot of reasons and like the implications of it. So definitely check out his video if you want to hear more. But thank you guys for listening to this cute little story of where bikinis came from as you don your bikinis on social media or anywhere. Like just know every bikini is a bikini body. I think that that is an important little kicker at the end here. I felt insecure for years wearing bikinis. Like even though I will still by choice wear one pieces today, like I at least have gained some confidence in myself to wear bikinis, but it definitely is something that can be overwhelming, especially if you're comparing yourself to people you see on social media. So, you know, just keep in mind that everybody literally is a bikini body. We as women have fought to be able to show skin, like just for fashion, for our own comfort. And so we got to do these women proud, the women that got sentenced to doing, you know, cleaning work in Germany because she wore it across the square as a statement. Like, you know, we wear our bikinis proudly, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. So yeah, that is the episode, guys. Thank you for listening. And I will talk to you all next week. Bye. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.